Welcome into episode 8 of College Sports Today here on WLRZ 99.3 FM. I am your host, Hamilton Neal. We thank you so very much for taking some time to join us again here on the show this week. Hope everyone has had a great holiday season. From all of us here, we wish you a very Merry Christmas. Here on tonight's episode, we'll get things started with news from right here at Lenore Ryan. We'll talk Bears men's and women's basketball, football, and men's lacrosse. In our college football segment, we'll take a look at some of the top upcoming bowl games, and then we'll wrap up the show with our men's and women's college basketball segment, going over our top five games from the last week. But again, we'll get things started off with Lenore Ryan Sports and the Lenore Ryan men's basketball team. The Bears took to the floor Saturday to face off with Tusculum, where they fell by a score of 69 to 49. LR trailed only by four coming out of the halftime break, but were outscored 33 to 17 in the final 20 minutes. The Pioneers out-rebounded the Bears 54 to 23 and held LR to only two of 16 shooting from behind the three-point line. Enidi Legiste paced Tusculum in scoring with 24 points for the game. TJ Nesmith scored nine points to lead the Bears. On Monday, LR hosted Newberry after leading 37 to 15 with 3.15 left in the first half and leading by as many as 20 in the second half. Newberry erased a 23-point deficit to win by a score of 66 to 65. With this loss, LR drops to 22 and 7 against Newberry inside Shoe for Gymnasium. This is the second straight one-point loss to the Wolves inside the Shoe, as LR dropped a 73-72 decision back January 11th of 2021. The Bears' last five overall losses to Newberry have been by a combined 10 points. TJ Nesmith again led the Bears' scoring effort with 17 points for the game. Sal Wilson and Jalen Johnson added 11, and Kevin Kangu added 10 as well. The Bears fall to 3 and 8 overall and 2 and 6 in South Atlantic Conference play. The Bears next take the floor in New Year's. Day where they'll host Lincoln Memorial. The Lenore Ryan women's basketball team fell to Tusculum 58-48 Saturday afternoon at Shuford Gymnasium. Trailing by as many as 13 points in the second half, the Bears cut the Pioneers' lead to 52-48 with 3.32 to play, but Tusculum scored the last six points in the game to come away with a 10-point win. Brandy Hudson led the Bears with 13 points, and Maddie Dillinger added 10 as well. The Bears shot a season-low 26% from the floor. On Monday, the Bears took down Newberry by a score of 73-61. Emily Harmon scored 17 of her game-high 24 points in the second half, and Brandy Hudson added 18 points as the Bears finished 2-1 and one on the homestand. The Bears improved to 4-6 and six overall and 3-5 and five in South Carolina Conference play. They'll next take the floor Thursday at Young Harris. The Lenoran football team placed three players on the Division II Conference Commissioners Association All-Super Region 2 football team announced earlier this month. Running back Dwayne McGee and defensive tackle Amari Houston were named first-team All-Region, while offensive lineman Blake Jefferson was named to the second team. In addition, McGee has been named a D2 CCA second-team All-American and a D2 AP first-team All-American. He set the single-season rushing yard record for the Bears with 1,669 yards on the ground in 2021. McGee also tied the program mark for most total touchdowns in a single season with 21 and was also named South Atlantic Conference Offensive Player of the Year and South Atlantic Conference Freshman of the Year. In addition, Houston was named the South Atlantic Conference Defensive Player of the Year. For the second time in his career, LR men's lacrosse coach Greg Paradine has been named USILA National Coach of the Year. Paradine previously earned the honor in 2018 and was presented the award at the National Coaches Convention in Orlando earlier this month. Paradine led the Bears to their first ever national championship appearance in 2020 and broke numerous program records along the way. Paradine won his 100th career game with a victory over Coker and led LR to a nine-game winning streak 
to open the season. LR swept the SAC regular season and conference tournament titles for the second time in team history. Overall, the Bears clinched their fifth South Atlantic Conference regular season crown and the second South Atlantic Conference tournament title. The Bears were ranked as high as number two in the nation, which is tied for the highest national ranking in program history. Eric Dickinson was named USILA Attackman of the Year, and Miles Moffitt earned South Atlantic Conference Man of the Year honors. Mitchell Linklater would be awarded the NCAA Elite 90, which is the most prestigious academic award given out by the NCAA. In total, the Bears had a record five players be named All-Americans. Paradine owns a career record of 106-60 and 49-6 in South Atlantic Conference play. Paradine joins the shortlist of two-time USILA Division II National Coaches of the Year, most recently J.B. Clark in 2014 and 2015. Again, that is a lot of what's going on right now here at Lenore Rhine. Again, talking Bears men's and women's basketball, football, and news from men's lacrosse. Going back up and looking at what the basketball teams have been doing, first starting with the men's squad. Again, a tough pair of losses to Tusculum and to Newberry. In the game against Tusculum, they were really dominated in the second half. We mentioned that they were outscored 33-17 to in the final 20 minutes. They did not rebound the basketball consistently. We mentioned that they were out-rebounded 54-23. Poor perimeter shooting from behind the three-point line. And again, strugglesome offense. This team has not shown the ability to consistently put points on the board. 49 points in this contest. Again, we've talked about over the last couple of weeks when we're talking about LR men's basketball, their defense has played pretty well. They're holding some teams in check, but it's the offense that is really holding this team back right now and the inability to score consistently. No player was in double figures in that game for LR. TJ Nesmith all the way with nine from start to finish really was a strugglesome contest. Even though they only trailed by four coming out of half again in the second half, they did not show up to play. In the game against Newberry, very different set of circumstances. They had a 37-15 lead late in the first half. They led by as many as 20 in the second half, and Newberry comes all the way back to win this game by one. Again, the inability to finish, the inability to get stops late in the game and letting Newberry go on that run, not a good sign for LR on the defensive end, and the inability to close the game and put it away, definitely not what Coach Sullivan was looking for in that game. And typically, when these two teams play, it's close. We mentioned that the last five losses to Newberry have been by a combined 10 points. The last time these two teams played at LR, it was a one-point loss. So clearly, these two teams are very competitive with each other. But again, LR just not showing the ability to close and finish games right now. A lot better scoring in this game, a lot better offensive execution. TJ Nesmith, 17 again to lead the way. Sal Wilson, Jalen Johnson with 11. Good balanced scoring effort, but again, the inability to close late and execute. Same thing for the LR women's basketball team in their game against Tusculum on Saturday, closing in on that lead late, but Tusculum going on another run of 6-0 to end that one. Brandy Hudson and Maddie Dillinger, those two have been so consistent for LR this season. Emily Harmon didn't have as big of a game there against Tusculum. We mentioned that the Bears shot a season low 26% from the floor. Harmon showed up a lot better in that game against Newberry, 17 over game high 24 in the second half, and Brandy Hudson with 18 as well. Very consistent offensive performance. And again, getting Emily Harmon going with Hudson and Dillinger is going to be key for this LR team moving forward. We've talked about how those three have played so well together. We'll see if they can get some other players going off the bench. They're four and six overall, three and five in the conference. Next game at Young Harris on Thursday. Opportunity to get to five and six. Obviously, that's a non-league game, so not going to affect things in the South Atlantic Conference standings, but their overall record, they can get closer to 500. We'll see if they can make that happen. So LR men's and women's basketball struggling to 
come out of the gate here in this 2021 season, but now as you go into the new year, an opportunity to kind of refresh and reset, get things going yet again. In Lenoirine football, some big honors for a couple of players there, Dwayne McGee and Amari Houston. First team all-region, Blake Jefferson on the second team. Dwayne McGee just had an incredible season for LR in his first full year. In addition, we mentioned being named a D2 AP first team All-American. That is such a huge deal for us here at LR. D2 CCA second team All-American as well. He was one of the big reasons why we had such a good team this year. You know, Grayson Willingham in the passing game was so effective. But having McGee there, just having a guy to hand the rock to and churn out yards, continue to get first downs, keep drives going, and have that balance, which we talk about being so key in football, you got to have the passing and running balance. LR had that this year, and that's why they were such a potent offense and why they put up so many points. 21 total touchdowns, tied the program mark for most total TDs in a single season. Offensive Player of the Year, Freshman of the Year in the South Atlantic Conference, a season to remember for Dwayne McGee. And again, just a freshman going in as a sophomore next year. Excited to see what he can do. Again, Amari Houston and Blake Jefferson as well, grabbing honors from the D2 Conference Commissioners Association. And Greg Parody, named National Coach of the Year for the season that LR Men's Lacrosse had last year going to the National Championship game. We'll see what they can do coming up this season. Obviously, spring sports starting very soon here at LR. Very excited to see what those teams can provide as well. So that's what's going on here at Lenore Ryan. In college football, we've got a lot going on as well. Obviously, the college football playoff coming up very soon. Here in the segment tonight, we're going to look at some non-college football playoff bowl games coming up that you definitely should be watching. We're going to take a look at three games here. All of them feature top 25 teams against each other, and we're going to start with the Alamo Bowl, which will be played on December the 29th. It'll be number 14, Oregon, and number 16, Oklahoma. The 10-3 and Ducks last played on December 3rd in the Pac-12 championship game, where they fell 38-10 to to number 11, Utah. This season, Ducks quarterback Anthony Brown has passed for 16 touchdowns and six interceptions on 2,692 yards through the air. Travis Dives carried the ball 193 times for 1,118 yards and 15 touchdowns. He is also their leading receiver as well with 41 catches for 374 yards. Oklahoma, 10-2 overall, last played in the regular season finale, falling to number 9 Oklahoma State, 37-33. Quarterback Caleb Williams this season passed for 1,674 yards, 14 touchdowns, and 8 interceptions. On the ground, Kennedy Brooks has rushed for over 1,000 yards, and Marvin Mims is their leading receiver with 648 yards and 4 touchdowns. On January 1st, you have the Fiesta Bowl, and the Rose Bowl. At the Fiesta Bowl, we have number five in Notre Dame and number nine, Oklahoma State. The Fighting Irish come into this game at 11-1 overall. Quarterback Jack Cohn this season has passed for 2,641 yards, 20 touchdowns, and five interceptions. Michael Mayer and Kevin Austin are their leading receivers. Both are over 700 yards. Oklahoma State quarterback Spencer Sanders has passed for 16 touchdowns and 12 interceptions on 2,468 yards. His leading receiver is Tay Martin. He has caught 70 balls for 942 yards and 7 touchdowns. In the Rose Bowl, it'll be number 6 Ohio State and number 11 Utah. The Buckeyes have the number one ranked scoring offense in the country. They're averaging 45.5 points per game on the year, led by quarterback C.J. Stroud, who passed for 38 touchdowns and 5 interceptions in the regular season on 3,862 yards. Trevion Henderson carried the ball 167 times for 1,172 yards and 15 touchdowns. Leading receivers are Garrett Wilson and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Wilson caught 12 touchdowns and 1,058 yards receiving. Smith and Jigba caught six touchdowns for 1,259 yards. Chris Olave led the team in touchdown catches with 13 on 936 yards. Utah ranks 19th in Division I in scoring offense at 35.1 points per game. Led by quarterback Cameron Rising, passed for 2,279 yards, 18 touchdowns, and 5 interceptions. Tavion Thomas rushed for 20 touchdowns on 1,041 yards, and TJ Pledger rushed for 671 yards and 6 touchdowns on the season. All of these games are going to be very exciting. we got a ton of great teams in action. These are just a few of the non-CFP bowl games that feature top 25 teams against each other. Obviously, there are so many more bowl games that have been happening already 
that are going to be happening. Next week, we'll talk more about results and all of that. But here we wanted to focus on a couple of the top non-CFP bowl games. Some of these teams working without their head coaches. Oklahoma, obviously Lincoln Riley left to go to USC. Bob Stoops stepping in for this bowl game. Brian Kelly has already left for LSU. Marcus Freeman going to be their new head coach. Oregon as well playing without their head coach and Mario Cristobal. So you got some guys working just for the bowl game until the new head guy comes in. That's the case with Oregon and Oklahoma. Dan Lanning coming in at Oregon. You have Brent Venables coming in at Oklahoma. Both of those guys obviously not coaching here in this bowl game. Brian McClendon stepping in at Oregon and Bob Stoops obviously coaching this one game for Oklahoma. Both of those teams have put up a lot of points this season and both have had consistent quarterback play with Anthony Brown for Oregon and Caleb Williams obviously for Oklahoma who stepped in for Spencer Rattler midway point of the season and really put up good numbers. 1,600 plus yards passing, 14 TDs. Also had some good rushing stats as well. Jaden Hazelwood has already transferred out who led the team in touchdown catches, but Marvin Mims, downfield threat, really skilled wide receiver, four TDs on the year, 648 yards. He's going to be key in this game for Oklahoma, the connection between Caleb Williams and his wide receivers, trying to get to 11-2 and on the season against Oregon, trying to get to 11-3 and to finish their year and finish it on a better note. Both of these teams trying to do just that. Oklahoma, as we mentioned, fell to Oklahoma State, 37-33. Final game of the regular season, Pac-12 championship game, Oregon blown out by number 11, Utah, one of two games they lost there to Utah. Speaking of Utah, again, playing Ohio State there in the Rose Bowl, going up against the top-ranked scoring offense in the country at Ohio State, 45.5 points per game, C.J. Stroud, Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Chris Olave, Travion Henderson, all of the stars on this Ohio State offense, it's making them so potent, so hard to stop. Expect Stroud to really be in sync with his receivers. Remember, the last game that they played was against Michigan. They want to get that bad taste out of their mouth. They want to have a good win to end the season in the Rose Bowl. I definitely think that they'll do just that, but Utah does pose a threat. They put up a lot of points as well. We mentioned they're 19th in D1 at 35 points per game, and Cameron Rising, very consistent, very steady at that QB position, and their running game, their rushing attack, their balance is another thing that makes them so dangerous with Thomas and Pledger, as we mentioned. So good game there between Ohio State and Utah and Notre Dame, Oklahoma State. Again, two teams as well that offensively have the ability to be high scoring. Oklahoma State has a consistent defense. They're going to try to hold down Jack Cohn and company in that game. And Spencer Sanders, a little inconsistent this year, 16 touchdowns, 12 picks. Some of those picks came in big games at inopportune times, but you know, he's been a good quarterback for them this season, and they had a very, very good 2021 season, so we'll see how that game plays out as well. Notre Dame, Oklahoma State, the Fiesta Bowl, you know, Ohio State, Utah, and the Rose Bowl, and at the Alamo Bowl, it'll be Oklahoma taking on Oregon. So those are some of the top non-CFP bowl games in college football. Again, there are plenty of others that you need to keep your eye on, but these are just the ones that we wanted to preview. Again, next week, we'll talk more with bowl results. A lot of bowl games have been happening already in progress. A lot of bowl games coming up in this upcoming week as well. Again, on next week's show, we'll get you up to speed on all of that again in college football as bowl season is now upon us. Now let's wrap up the show with our men's and women's college basketball segment. Here tonight we'll be going over our men's and women's top five games from the last week. Starting on the men's side of things, we're going to go back to Friday, December the 17th, where the Creighton Blue Jays scored a huge upset win over number 23 Villanova by a score of 79-59. to Leading Creighton in scoring was Ryan Hawkins. He had 19 points to go along with 11 rebounds. Ryan Nembhard at 14, Alex O'Connell added to 12, Trey Alexander contributed to 10 as well. For Villanova, Colin Gillespie led the way with 16 points, Eric Dixon at 15, and Jermaine Samuels added 11. The Wildcats were out-rebounded 41-29 in this contest and assisted on only 4 of 21 made field goals. Over to Saturday, December the 18th, 4th-ranked Gonzaga took down number 25 Texas Tech by a score 
of 66-59. Leading the Bulldogs was Andrew Nemphardt. He had 16 points. Rasheer Bolton and Anton Watson combined for another 25. Texas Tech was led by Adonis Arms and Kevin McCuller. Both had 14 points for the game. Number 20, Kentucky, blew past the North Carolina Tar Heels at the CBS Sports Classic in Las Vegas, winning by a score of 98-69. to Leading Kentucky was Xavier Wheeler. He had 26 points. Kellen Grady added 18. Oscar Sheboy had a double-double of 16 points and 12 rebounds. Keon Brooks Jr. added 10 as well. Leading North Carolina was Armando Baycott. He had 22 points to go along with 10 rebounds. Kentucky won the battle on the glass 44-26, forced 12 North Carolina turnovers, and held the Tar Heels to only one made three-point shot. Number one, Baylor took down the Oregon Ducks by a score of 78-70 on the road. Leading the Bears were the duo of James Akinjo and Kendall Brown, both scoring 17 points. Adam Flagler added 16 as well. Leading Oregon was Devion Harmon. He had 18 points. Will Richardson and Jacob Young combined for another 27 with 16 and 11 respectively. And Tuesday, the 21st, the Davidson Wildcats secured an upset win at number 10 Alabama, 79-78. Leading Davidson was Luka Brakovich. He had 22 points. Michael Jones added 21 as well. Leading Alabama was Jaden Shackelford. He had 20 points. Jawan Gary and Javon Quinterly added 15 and 13 points as well. So again, those are our men's college basketball top five games from the last week. Huge wins for all of those teams. First, I want to focus in on Creighton. Big win there against Villanova. This is a Creighton team that has struggled a little bit throughout the course of this season. They've been a little up and down. They've taken some losses, but here in this game, they put it all together and really showed what this team can be in the long run as we go throughout this season. Good offensive production, balanced across the board. Ryan Hawkins, the leader in this contest, 19 points and 11 rebounds, as we mentioned. Ryan Nembhard, who had 14 points in this game, in my opinion, one of the more underrated point guards throughout the country in college basketball. Alex O'Connell, Duke transfer, 12 points here in this one, and we mentioned Trey Alexander with 10. Just balanced scoring, consistent offensive flow, and on the defensive end, putting in just as much effort, holding Villanova to only 59 points. We mentioned that the Wildcats assisted on only four of 21 made field goals. If you want to win basketball games on a consistent basis, you're going to have to have better numbers than that in the assist category. You're going to have to rebound the basketball better than they did in this game, out-rebounded 41 to 29. This Villanova team lacks size. They lack that true five-man that can go off for that double-double. They have a couple of good four players, Eric Dixon, we mentioned at 15 points in this game, Jermaine Samuels has had to play the four at times for this Villanova team because they are so undersized in there. He's naturally a three-man. He's naturally a wing player, but has been forced into power forward duty as well because this team is so undersized. And that's what I fear for them going in throughout the season is that they won't have enough size to match up with teams like Creighton, who does have that necessary size to rebound the basketball consistently offensively and defensively. They were exposed there in this game and again just struggle some performance offensively and they are very reliant on Colin Gillespie. He's one of the best players in college basketball. I get that but you got to have more balance across the board, more consistency from other guys. Brian Antoine has returned from injury for Villanova. Throughout his first two seasons with this squad, he has battled injuries. He was a touted high school recruit, five-star prospect out of the class of 2019, but has struggled to find his place on this Villanova team and has struggled to stay healthy. If he can find some consistency in staying on the floor, he could be an X-factor for this team. They have a lot of options. They are pretty deep, but again, the lack of size and the inability to shoot consistently from the three-point line, really the things that are plaguing them right now, and that's why they fell in that game to Creighton. Huge win for the Kentucky Wildcats there against North Carolina. We mentioned last week that they took a loss to Notre Dame on the road, and they fell considerably in the poll. Here 
got a huge win against a North Carolina team who had some momentum coming in. They were winning some games and building some confidence. Great performance from Xavier Wheeler. Definitely his best performance in a Kentucky uniform, 26 points. Kellen Grady also had a breakout game with 18 points. He's the transfer from Davidson. Really skilled sharpshooting two guard. Someone that John Calipari can really utilize. And Oscar Sheboy has been the constant on this basketball team all season long. 16 points, 12 rebounds here in this one. So really what I saw from Kentucky again was dominance on the glass, out-rebounding UNC 44-26. Their defense was on par and their offense was outstanding. 98 points here in this game. Two points shy of 100. Just very impressive across the board. And it was because of those breakout performances from Wheeler and Kellen Grady that really sparked them to this victory. Very skilled, very deep team across the board. There's so many guys that can beat you. Keon Brooks, who only had 10 in this game, is one of their best wingmen. They got another really good point guard in Ty Ty Washington. Lance Ware is another guy on the inside who can rebound, get you some points as well. So this is a very, very skilled Kentucky team and definitely better than their number 20 national ranking. Again, the big reason they fell was because of that loss to Notre Dame on the road. I think they'll continue to bounce back and play really good basketball. And then you look at Davidson. One point win there at Alabama, an Alabama team who is starting to reel a little bit. After that big win against Houston, they dropped one to Memphis on the road, a Memphis team who had prior to that game lost four in a row, and a Davidson team who has been up and down this season. This is not a great Davidson team, but you know what? They put it all together here in this game. We mentioned Luka Brakovich and Michael Jones, 22 and 21 points each. Those two played off each other very well. They have a really skilled point guard and Foster Lawyer, who is a transfer from Michigan State. So th- so this is definitely a team to keep your eye on in the Atlantic 10 Conference. And then you go over and look at Alabama and the struggles that they've had just late in games, not being able to close things out against Memphis. Really got dominated from wire to wire, but just cannot get back in it late in that one. And here in this game, a couple of mistakes leading to this loss. And with this loss, they're definitely going to fall big in next week's AP Top 25 polls. So those are our men's college basketball top five games of the last week. In women's college basketball, we've had some great games as well. Starting on Saturday, December the 18th, where second-ranked Stanford defeated number 7 Tennessee by a score of 74 to 63. Leading the Cardinal in this game was Haley Jones. She had 18 points and 19 rebounds. Ashton Pretzel off the bench had 12. Hannah Jump and Lexi Hull added 11 as well. For Tennessee, Jordan Horson had 19 points and 12 rebounds. Alexis Dye and Sarah Puckett added for another 24 points. On Sunday the 19th, number 9 Michigan took down number 10 Baylor in overtime by a score of 74 to 68. Leading the Wolverines was Leah Brown. She had 25 points. Nas Hillman had 15 points and 10 rebounds. For Baylor, Nalissa Smith had 21 points and 14 rebounds to lead the way. Sarah Andrews had 16 and Jordan Lewis added 15. At the Basketball Hall of Fame Women's Showcase, number three Louisville took down then seventh ranked UConn by a score of 69 to 64. Leading Louisville was Kiana Smith. She had 16, as did Haley Van Lith. Alana Smith added 11 as well. For UConn, freshman Caroline Ducharme led the scoring effort with 24 points for the game. Dorky Uaz had 15, and Kristen Williams added 10 as well. In this game, the Huskies struggled to hit shots from behind the three-point line. They hit only three of 15 perimeter shots. With the loss, the Huskies fell to 11th in this week's AP poll. This is the first time that they have not been ranked inside the top 10 since March 7th of 2005. And on Tuesday the 21st, we had two exciting wire-to-wire contests, first starting with IUPUI scoring a major upset win at number 15, Iowa, 74-73. to Leading IUPUI was Macy Williams and Rachel McLemore. Both had 19 points for the game. Madison Wise added 12 as well. Leading Iowa was Monica Sonono. She had 23 points. Caitlin Clark had a double-double of 19 points and 11 rebounds. The Hawkeyes hit only four of 22 three-point shots and were outscored in the fourth quarter, 27-11. And we had a battle between number one and number two. 
top-ranked South Carolina taking down Stanford by a score of 65-61. to Leah Boston had 18 points and 11 rebounds. Destiny Henderson had 17 as well for the Gamecocks. Leading Stanford was Lexi Hulse. She had 17 points. Fran Belibi and Haley Jones added 12 and 11 respectively. Stanford in this game turned the ball over 20 times to only 7 for South Carolina. 13 of those 20 turnovers that South Carolina forced were off of steals. Again, huge games here as well in women's college basketball. Going through these five... Talking about Stanford a couple of times. First, beating at Tennessee, 74-63 on the road. Haley Jones, 18 points, 19 rebounds there in that contest. Got good balance as well from some of the other role players. Ashton Pretzel with 12, Hannah Jump, Lexi Hall with 11. Very quality road win that was, and they had a chance to do it again at number one, South Carolina. They had the lead late in this game. Stanford was controlling things late. They had the momentum, but then South Carolina came roaring back. Due to the play of Destiny Henderson and Aaliyah Boston, we mentioned Henderson had 17 points for this game. Boston hit a big face-up jumper with just about a minute remaining here in this game. She finished with 18 points and 11 rebounds. Huge run for South Carolina to finish that game, and this is why they are the best team in women's college basketball. They have the ability to play so many different ways. They can put up 80, 85 points in a high-scoring shootout. They can grind it out in a lower-scoring game like this one and rely on that rebounding, rely on that defense, and that's what they were able to do to spark this comeback and protect that number one ranking because if they lost this game, Stanford would have been up at that number one spot. Again, this was one versus two, so great game there. Probably so far the best game of the young women's college basketball season, IUPUI, huge upset there over Iowa. Great play across the board from their top players, Macy Williams, Rachel McLemore, we mentioned had 19 points, and more concerning play from Iowa on the offensive end, not being able to close late defensively we see plenty of lapses with this team and they're struggling to shoot from behind the three-point line four of 22 threes here in this game and the fourth quarter they just absolutely crumbled 27 to 11 run for IUPUI again the inability to hit three-point shots consistently offensively outside of Caitlin Clark in that fourth quarter they didn't do anything well on either side of the basketball so late game execution was absolutely not there and offensively some struggles throughout the game behind the three-point line so very concerning loss here for Iowa they're going to drop big time in the top 25 I don't think they drop completely out of the top 25 but losing to a team like this they're definitely going to fall into the bottom five of the rankings for sure and that's an IUPUI team that did not have a great record coming in, just like we talked about with Davidson in there, went over Alabama on the men's side, and UConn falling to number 11 in the AP poll. This is the first time that they're outside the top 10 since the 2004-2005 season. That was 313 straight poll weeks that they were ranked inside the top 10 with this third loss of the season, second loss in the last three games. Definitely very concerning as well for UConn. With no page backers, we do not see that offensive flow. We don't see that consistent ball movement. Late in the game, they had plenty of chances to take the lead and possibly win this basketball game off the inbound. We saw off rebounds getting into that half-court offense. There was just no flow. There was nobody to orchestrate things. And I think that's the problem with this UConn team right now is they don't have that floor leader, that true point guard that can do the things that Paige Beckers can do when she's in there. Kristen Williams is a point guard. She can play the one position. So can Avina Westbrook, but there is just a lack of flow without Paige in there right now. 
and the inability to hit three-point shots. Just like we talked about with Iowa, that same problem is cropping up for UConn. Only three of 15 here in this game. Caroline Ducharme, who is primarily a three-point shooter, had 24 points. She did a lot of her work on the inside here in this game. She played a very gritty game. She was very consistent throughout, and I think there's one good thing to take away from this loss. It was the consistent play of Caroline Ducharme when other players were not scoring and producing as consistently. Avina Westbrook had a down game here. Kristen Williams yet again struggled. Those seniors really need to step up. Williams, Westbrook, Nelson Adota are not playing good enough right now. And Ali Edwards is becoming very lost in this rotation right now. Her role is diminishing. There's no flow with Nelson Adota and the Ohio State transfer Dorka Yuhas on the inside. If they do not find those things, they may continue to lose games. Now they're entering Big East play. In all of those games, they're going to be favored. They open against Marquette and DePaul to open Big East conference play. Those are the other two best teams in the Big East. UConn definitely should get both of those wins. But if we continue to see inconsistency rebounding, inconsistency from behind the three-point line, lack of offensive flow, then... They're going to they're gonna have some close calls coming up. And again, at number 11 in the AP poll, lowest rank since March 7th of 2005. And it's not getting any easier with Paige Becker still out. AZ Fudd and Nika Mule both will be back soon, but that's going to be after Christmas. They don't play any other games until post-Christmas. So they're hoping to get those two back as the new year starts. But right now, definitely tough times for the UConn women's basketball team. Falling it to number three, Louisville, 69-64 at the Basketball Hall of Fame Women's Showcase. Cardinals, absolutely a national championship contender, one of the best teams in the nation with the guard play that they have with Haley Van Litt, Alana Smith off the bench, Kiana Smith. Those three have played very well for them throughout the course of the season. Chelsea Hall, Vanderbilt transfer, had a down game here, but she is also one of the top players on the perimeter, and they have Olivia Cochran and Emily Anxler on the inside. Those two do have that flow. They do have that consistency together, so Jeff Walls has his team playing outstanding right now, and they scored a huge one there against the UConn Huskies again back on Sunday, December the 19th. So those are our top five games of the last week in women's college basketball. A lot of great stuff going on on the men's side, on the women's side. A lot of good games coming up as well. That's what's happened over the last week. So that is all the time that we have for you on this week's episode of College Sports Today. We really hope you enjoyed this week's installment. We'll have another jam-packed episode coming up next week. From all of us here at Lenore Ryan to you out there, have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. This is Hamilton Neal signing off. I'll see you next time.